Uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to finish up our series on the Lord's, on, uh, not on the Lord's Supper, our series on the Baptist Faith and Message tonight. Uh, it's been a long series, as y'all know, but I think it's been a good series. Um, we've gone through the whole Baptist Faith and Message now, every, every um, section, every, every segment of it. Um, some, how many sections are there? 20, no, 18, 18 sections. Um, ranging anywhere from what we believe the Bible says about the Trinity to what we believe the Bible says about the family to uh, cooperation with other believers, um, peace and war, um, the Lord's Day, the last things, God's purpose or grace, the church, all these different topics that we've talked about uh, here over the last several weeks. And tonight we're going to uh, conclude this, this series um, I was reading a book back some time ago, and uh, at the end of one of the chapters, at the end of all the chapters, the author had uh, would quote a hymn or part of a hymn, right? Um, and so at the end of this one chapter I, I came to, um, he quoted the hymn, uh, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. You all might know, know that hymn, some of you. Um, he, quoted, he quoted part of or all of, I can't remember, but it was Beneath the Cross of Jesus was there. And when I was in high school, uh, I, I grew up in, in church with my family. And, and when I was in high school, um, I started singing in the church choir. Um, and Beneath the Cross of Jesus is one of the songs that, that we sang as a special music. Um, and we would do that song every, every so often. And, and so I was kind of familiar with it. And so as I'm reading through this, this chapter of this book and I get to the end and that hymn's there. And I'm, I'm reading through the lyrics of that hymn. I found myself just kind of unconsciously singing it in my head. Uh, but not just singing the song, but singing the arrangement that, that we had sung when I was in choir, singing um, the, the bass notes, the bass part that I sang when I was in choir. And, and it got me to thinking, and I actually got my phone out and, uh, actually got my phone out and, and wrote uh, an email to uh, the choir director at the church where I was growing up. He's a good friend of my, of my mom and dad, um, and he was my high school band director and, and teacher. So, so I... So I emailed him and, uh, and, and, and just kind of said, thank you for, for leading us well as, as a church when I was growing up. Thank you for leading me as a believer well when I was growing up. And, and I was struck by um, how, how so much of what I believe, I trust, comes from the Bible, right? I, I believe what the, what the Bible says. I, I seek to believe what the Bible says. I try to believe what the Bible says. And if there's something um, that I believe that is um, that I come to find at some point is against what the Bible says, then I... And then I, I seek to change that, that belief so that I am in line with the Bible. Um, however, when, I w when this happened and I was thinking through all this stuff, I was struck by how, how much of what I believe I think of in, in, in terms of or even in, in the lyrics of the songs that I grew up singing. So much of what I believe about who Jesus is and what Jesus did is because of the Bible says who Jesus is and what Jesus did. But when I, when I begin to think about, you know, who he is and, and what he did, and I begin to describe who he is and what, I, what he did, oftentimes I find that coming out in the words of, or the ideas or concepts of songs that I grew up singing, right? Um, and so, so I sent this email to, to him and, and thanked him for that. And, 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 and it also reminded me of different people, Judge Holmes, that, that would sit beside me in, in the choir, this older man, and, and I was 
I don't know, probably 14, 15 years old when, you know, when I started. In the, he's probably in his 80s, and I'm sitting there beside him, and um, he's teaching me how to sing, and, and, and I'm watching how he interacts with other people and, and, and all the different stuff there. And I, and I learned so much from those people. And, um, and, and I was thinking, thinking back on that, um, and as I was preparing to, to preach the conclusion for the Baptist Faith of Message, um, I was, I, I'm, I'm seeing kind of a parallel there, right? In, in our call to worship today, Tonight uh, was from Second uh, Timothy, chapter one, and in in that uh, in that passage, Paul, there's a couple things that, that Paul says that I want to draw your attention to. In Second Timothy chapter one, um, the, the end of verse twelve. He says, I know whom I've believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Okay? And then down at the end of verse 14, he says pretty much the same thing. Um, He says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And and, uh, that was our call to worship tonight. and, and, And I was thinking that when I chose that to be our call to worship, I was thinking, you know, that passage says to guard what's been entrusted to you. And it made me start thinking, who is it that entrusted it to me, right? And how was it entrusted to me? Um, and, and, and you think about your own life and how you learned about, uh, about Jesus, how you learned the gospel, um, how you learned what the Bible says, how you learned how to be a, a follower of Jesus, how you learned how to be a good um, husband or wife, son or daughter, church member. Um, you know, we, we all have people going back in our lives that, that we've learned those things from. Now, it's all grounded in the Bible, hopefully, and, and, and we believe what we believe, and we live the way we live or seek to live the way that we, that, that we ought to live because of what the Bible says. But what the Bible says has been entrusted to us by people going back a long way, right? Um, and, and that's kind of what the Baptist faith of message is. You know, the Baptist faith of message, this is, this is the Baptist faith of message 2000, okay? But that doesn't mean that it was made up in 2000. It was revised in 2000. And what happened in 2000 was they, they, the editors, the people that were on the committee that, that came up with this, and um, they took the older version from 1963, and they, and they updated it, right? They might have changed some language. They might have added some, some sections to it. Maybe, maybe in 1963 there, there were, or maybe in 2000, there were some issues that weren't really on the, for, on the, on the forefront in 1963. And so, uh, so we had to speak to some different issues, right, in 2000. And in the 1963 version, they didn't start from scratch there either. They started from the 1925 version and updated that, right? And in 1925, they didn't start from scratch either. Although that was the first Baptist faith of message, they didn't start from scratch in 1925. They went back to the old, um, the old New Hampshire Confession, right? And that, that dates back from 1833, and there's all these other confessions of faith where people have, set, have sought to, to summarize what the Bible says going back through, through time, right? We had the, the second London Confession uh, from, from England in the, in the 1700s, 1742. The Sandy Creek Confession of Faith, maybe the first uh, United States American New World Baptist uh, Confession of Faith was 1758, the New Hampshire Confession, I've already mentioned, 1833. The Abstract of Principles uh, was, was put together in 1858. And that was a founding document for the Southern Baptist Seminary that's here in Louisville. The, the, uh, the four professors that started the Southern Baptist Seminary, it actually started in South Carolina, and then they moved it to Louisville. But the four professors who started that seminary said, we need to decide what it is we believe. 
and what it is that we're going to teach. And when we start hiring people to teach here, we need to have something written down for them to sign saying, we believe this and you can trust us to teach these things. And if we don't teach these things, if we begin to teach different things than this, then, uh, then you can fire us, right? Or we ought to resign if we begin to believe things different than this. And that was written back in 1858. Um, but, but it goes back even further than that. It goes back to the, to the, um, the Nicene Creed, to the Apostles' Creed. Um, there, there's always been believers saying, we believe what the Bible says, right? Okay, well, what does the Bible say? We need, to wait. we need to have a succinct way, concise way to describe what it is we believe the Bible says. And that's what the Baptist Faith and Message seeks to do. Um, and it's in, a, it's in a line, a history of, of, of these other, other documents that have, that have done the same or sought to do the same kind of things. And so I want us to look at, at four ways tonight that, that we should be as a church, as individuals and as a church, four ways that we should use the Baptist Faith and Message. Four ways that we should use confessions of, of faith. Four things that it can do for us. Okay. Before we do that, that, that though, I want to I want to talk just for a minute about um, how strict we should be with the Baptist faith and message, right? And we've we've talked about this before. Um, we've kind of gone gone over some of these concepts before, even in in this setting on a Sunday night. I think we even talked about some of these things maybe way back in March when we had the introduction to the Baptist faith and message series. Um, but I, but I want us to go over it again tonight and just think through it a little bit again tonight because what is it that how strict should we be, I should say, with the Baptist faith and message, right? How, how much of a hold should it have on us? Um, do we have to have complete agreement with what the Baptist faith and message says as a church, as a, as a believer, as someone who's a member of our church here? Should we all be in complete, total, 100% agreement with what the Baptist faith and message says? Well, I think it's okay for us to believe more than what it says, right? But generally speaking, typically, typically speaking, we shouldn't believe less than what it says. And here's what I mean by that. There's some things that the Baptist Faith and Message doesn't really take a position on, right? Before the service started tonight, we were talking about someone brought up the, the end times, right? Well, the Baptist Faith and Message is not, doesn't take a position on whether the end times, whether, whether the way that we should understand the book of Revelation should be premillennial or postmillennial or amillennial or, or, or whatever it might be, right? It says as long as, Jesus, as long as we believe Jesus is coming back, we can have some, some disagreements over how that's going to happen, the details of it, right? And so there, there, there's some other things we can believe beyond the Baptist faith and message, but it should serve as a good kind of foundation for us as a church. And as we're going to see a little bit later, we should hold our leaders to it. We should hold our, our pastors and deacons and, and other leaders in the church to, to this document since we have adopted it as a church to be a summary of what we think the Bible teaches. Okay? So four ways that, that, that we can use it, four ways that we should use it. Um, the first way, I think, is that, that the confessions uh, give us an identity as a church. Confessions give us an identity as a, as a church. And the Baptist faith, the message, gives us an identity as a, as a Baptist church, and specifically a, a Southern Baptist church. What, what it does, we have it here. It's published. You can buy it. You can go online and, and look it up and, and read it. We have copies downstairs. You can get them. I think there may be copies in the back you can get. It states plainly for everybody to see what we believe the Bible teaches. So what kind of church are we going to be? Well, it's stated plainly here for everyone to see, right? What, what, what kind of things are we going to do? It's stated plainly here for everybody to see. Are we going to baptize adults or are we going to baptize infants? Are we going to baptize uh, believers or are we going to baptize those who haven't yet believed, right? Well, all those questions are things that, that, that Christians disagree over and have conversations about and try to read the, the Bible and figure out what, what it is that, 
that is, uh, is most faithful to it, the Baptist faith and message lays down clearly what we're going to do, right? We will baptize any believer, anyone who has confessed their sins, trust in the Lord Jesus, um, and we'll baptize them by, by immersion, right? How is it that someone can be saved? Well, some, some Christians believe that, that you're saved by baptism. Other Christians believe that you're saved by doing certain things. Other Christians believe that you're saved in, in different ways. The Baptist faith message clearly lays out for us and for all to see, we believe the way that someone is saved, the way that the Lord uh, redeems someone is by turning away from our sins and turning toward Jesus. Repenting of our sins and believing with faith in the work that Jesus has done for us. We don't earn our way to God. We don't somehow uh, make some kind of bargain with him to try to convince him to be nice to us or to accept us or to forgive us. That's not how it works at all. God has done the work. And we simply turn to him and accept the work that he's already done, right? And, and these things are laid out. So the, the, the first thing that, the, that a confession does, the first thing the Baptist faith and message does to us or for us is it gives us an identity as a, as a church. It gives us a, an identity as believers. It's, it's what it is that we believe the Bible says, okay? The second thing that, that we can use a confession for, the second thing that we ought to use the Baptist faith and message for um, I've kind of already, already alluded to it a little bit, but it's, it gives us a way to hold our leaders accountable. It gives us a way to hold our leaders accountable. It gives us a way to hold our pastors accountable, our, our, our deacons accountable, our, our Sunday school teachers accountable, our other, other leaders accountable. Okay? So we believe as a church, as a Baptist church, we don't believe that pastors rule the church. right? We don't believe that pastors are in charge of the church. We believe that the church rules the church, and the church is in charge of the church under the lordship of, of Jesus. Now, Jesus, now, Jesus has given pastors to his churches. He's given deacons to his churches, and, and those are gifts that the Lord has given. And, and so as a church, we should uh, follow our, our leaders, follow our pastors as, as best we can, right? But that doesn't mean that our, our pastors, our, our uh, deacons, our, our leaders are infallible. It doesn't mean that what they say goes. And the standard is not what they say the standard is what the Bible says. And the Baptist Faith and Message gives us a good, uh, a good way to summarize what we as a church believe the Bible teaches in a, in a way to hold our leaders accountable. If you're teaching something contrary to what this says, well, we need to do some serious searching, some serious looking, right? Either you're being an unfaithful pastor, an unfaithful Sunday school teacher, an unfaithful deacon, or we need to do some real serious Bible study and, and, and take, our, take our statement of faith and put it beside the Bible and, and compare them together. And, and, and perhaps we need to make a change to the statement of faith. And, and, and maybe, we've, maybe there's something wrong there that needs to be re reworded or whatever. But, but there's a standard above what the leader says or what the, what the pastor says, what the deacon says. And, and the confession gives us a, a standard to hold pastors and, and leaders accountable to It also makes it more difficult for future pastors or leaders to change what the church has believed, right? We hear stories a lot of, um, you know, a church has a pastor for a long time and that pastor retires or passes away or, or moves on for whatever reason and, and someone else comes in the church, someone new comes in the church, a, a different leader comes in the church and, and starts leading the church away in a different direction, right? We, we have a record of that even in the New Testament itself with Paul in the church in Corinth where Paul was there. He started the church, he, he led them according to the truth, and then he left to go on and minister someone else, uh, somewhere else, and he gets a report that these false apostles have come in and begin to lead the church in, in a different direction. 
And so the Baptist Faith and Message gives us a, a, a good way to hold our leaders accountable, a good way to hold our church accountable. It serves kind of as an anchor to anchor us in the word, anchor us in the Bible. A third thing that, that we can use the Baptist Faith and Message for or use confessions for is yeah, it gives us guidelines for who to cooperate with, right? When we're talking about other believers, talking about other churches. And, and we mentioned this again back in March when we talked about the introduction to the Baptist Faith and Message. Um, but it, it, it gives us guidelines for who we can cooperate with. And so this morning we had a video from um, the International Mission Board. Right? And we're starting the Lottie Moon Christmas offering starting this Sunday. And that's a, an offering we take up every, every Christmas season, December, January, for missions. Well, why is it that we give that money to the International Mission Board and not some other mission agency or some other mission group? Well, the International Mission Board is the group that we're most closely aligned to when it comes to practice, when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to what we think the Bible believes, the Bible says. And the way that we know that we're most closely aligned to them and the way that we hold them accountable to us is their statement of faith is the Baptist faith of message. Our statement of faith is the Baptist faith of message. And they've said, this is what we believe. When we send missionaries out to, to go to other countries, when we, we send missionaries out to other states here in North America uh, to plant churches, to evangelize people, these are the things that we're going to be teaching. And so we're happy to support that, happy to support that work and, and financially and, and through prayer and, and other ways because we know that we're in alignment. We agree with what we think the Bible says. And so it's a way to, for us to, to judge whether we should cooperate with another group or, or not. It includes seminaries, right? When we have people who are called to, to be pastors here, people that are called to be missionaries here, people that are wanting to go to school to be prepared for, for ministry beyond what, what our church prepares them for, um, what, church, what, what schools do we recommend that they attend? What schools do we recommend that they go to? Right? Well, their statement of faith tells us what they believe the Bible says, and we can compare that with what we say. What about even, even things like mission trips or vacation Bible schools or things like that? Right? There have been times where we have uh, done mission trips with other churches. There have been times where we've done mission trips with other groups. There have been times where we've done um, you know, joint, um, joint missions around our, our local area. Right? There was a time where we were members of the Fairdale Area Community Ministry before it, before it folded. And, and, and we were part of that, and the Methodist Church was part of that, and the Christian Church was part of that, and the Catholic Church was part of that, and other Baptist churches were part of that. And we all pulled our resources together and, and did certain types of ministry together, but there were only certain types of ministry that we could do together, right? We could do a mission trip with the church where we're going to go and, and do some physical labor and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, like we used to do in Alpha County and... and um, you know, do, do some, you know, reflooring for some people's houses or painting people's outside of their houses or uh, giving away food or, or things like that, right? We can, we can do that. When we have our Dare to Care ministry that meets here on, on Wednesday afternoons, we have people that come and volunteer for that ministry that are not members of our church. We have some people that come and volunteer for that, that ministry who, who maybe believe a little bit different than, than we do. But we're okay with them doing that because we can join together for those kind of things, Right? but we wouldn't have one of those people come and teach one of our Sunday school classes. We'd love for them to come and attend one of our classes, right? And maybe at some point down the road, they could become a teacher of the class, but, but we wouldn't have them teach right now because there's, there's, we don't agree on what the Bible says. We don't agree on what is true. And so the Baptist Faith and Message is a good way to, for us to determine who we will cooperate with and uh, how far we will cooperate with them. So it's a good guide for us when we come to um, identifying ourselves as a church, identifying ourselves as a people. It's a good guide for us when it comes to holding our pastors and deacons and other leaders accountable. 
It's a good guide for us when we come to decide who is it that we can cooperate with and in what ways can we cooperate with other believers and other groups of believers. And finally, fourthly, and this is kind of the way I started this evening, it gives us a way to connect with the past. And also it gives us a way to connect with contemporary churches. It gives us a way to connect with other believers. We connect with believers in the past. We connect with believers um, in in the current time. Like I said before, it's a historic confession based on historic documents, tracing kind of a a history all the way back to, um, even all the way back to the first century. Um, And it connects us with people that have come before us. How is it that we're connected? You know, I've I've been a member here now for for almost 15 years. I joined the church back in 2005. Uh, So coming up on, on 15 years. And in those 15 years, there have been a lot of people um, that I remember that are not here anymore, right? And some of them have moved on different places, but a lot of them have passed away. There are a lot of people here that, um, that some of us wouldn't even recognize their names that, that I knew when I first got here, right? And there's others who were here before me that, that, that I don't know. But, but we have a, a, a lineage. We have a connection with people that have come before us because we're holding fast to the same truths that they held fast to. And we're connecting ourselves with other believers because we're saying... You know, yes, we're united in Christ. We're united in uh, in the truth of the gospel. We're united in what the Bible says, and and this is what we're agreeing on together. You may I don't know if you remember or not, but back in the early early two thousands, um, there was a uh, kind of a controversy in the um, Anglican Church, and it was over whether or not to ordain a specific bishop. Right, and I forget the guy's name, Gene. Gene, uh, his first name was Gene. I forget. I forget the rest of his name, but, but there was a controversy on whether he should be ordained or not. And, and I'm not going to get into the, to the issues around that and, and all those kind of things. But, but he preached a sermon or wrote an article. I, I remember reading it. I'm not sure if it was a sermon that was printed out or if it was an article he had written. But in there, at one point, he said, when it comes to choosing unity or truth, he said, choose unity every time. Right? We should stay united to one another. Um, we shouldn't divide and when we have to choose, either we're going to be united to one another or we're going to stand for truth, we should be united every time. Meaning, don't let things about what you believe interfere with who you fellowship with. And he was talking about within, within the church, right? And, and that is so completely wrong, right? If you think about it, it really doesn't even make sense. Because if you're, if you're trying to unite yourself with someone, you have to be united in something, Right? You can't just be united. There has to be something that unites you. Right? A husband and wife are united in marriage. Uh, kids and parents are united in, in their family. There has to be something that draws you to, together. Two friends are united in, in friendship. And, and so if, if we're going to throw out truth, what we believe as, as a church, then there's really nothing to unite us other than just the desire to be united, I guess. But the Baptist Faith and Message helps us to connect with people that have gone before us, connect with believers that are, that are here now, and helps us to connect and unify around the truth of the gospel, around the truth of what God's word says, right? And we celebrate that. Uh, we celebrate that in, in many ways. When we come to, to worship on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, we seek to, um, we want to preach what we believe, right? We want to sing what we believe. We want to pray what we believe. We want to confess what we believe. We want to teach what we believe. And, and then when we go out, we want to live what we believe. And all those things are, are, are based around, united around the, the common belief that we have. We celebrate that and, and, and we honor that in, in, in a visible way when we take the Lord's Supper. Right? We're about to take the Lord's Supper here just in a few minutes. 
And, and one thing the Lord's Supper does, in the Lord's Supper, we're, we're, it's a communion, right? Some, some groups even call it communion. We have communion with, with God through Jesus, right? We're looking back on, on his death. We're looking forward to him returning and, and, and bringing us to, uh, to be with himself and with the Father. It unites us to God or reminds us that we're united to God. But it also reminds us that we're united to one another. There's a horizontal aspect to the Lord's Supper. And as we take the Lord's Supper together, what we're saying is, I'm not, I'm not in this alone. I'm not, I'm not in this by myself. We're all together in this, right? I'm believing, and you're believing, and I'm following Jesus, and you're following Jesus, and we're helping one another, and we're seeking to believe what's true, and we're seeking to, to submit our lives to what God has said. And how do we know what God has said? The Bible tells us, right? He's told us in his word, the Bible. And how do we know that we're in this together? Because we're agreeing on what, what, what the Lord has said in the Bible, and that's summarized for us in our confession of faith. And as I submit myself to it, and you submit yourself to it, we're submitting ourselves to one another and to, um, and to the Lord. I want to read to you, if I can get it to come up, I want to read to you what our, um, what our confession of faith, or not our confession of faith, our um, church covenant says. One of the lines in our church covenant, point number seven, it says this. Part of what it means to be a believer here, part of, part of one of the commit, commitments that we're making when we decide to join the church here. Point number seven says this. We will strive to learn, support, and promote the church's doctrine. We will also submit to the discipline of the church and its leaders. And the way that we do that is, as a church is through our confession of faith. We seek to learn what the doctrine, what the doctrine of our church is, we seek to support it. We seek to promote it. And we seek to submit to the discipline of the church surrounding that, that document that we've committed ourselves to together. So we're about to take the Lord's Supper. I can ask you to consider those things. Consider especially how it connects us to what's come before. It connects us to one another now. And let's seek to live by it. Let's seek to, to follow it. Let's seek to uh, support it as our, our, um, as our um covenant says to learn it, to support it, to uh, help one another in it, and to submit ourselves to it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you tonight for a, a good series on the Baptist Faith and Message. Father, a good series on, on what we believe as a church, what we believe the Bible says. And God, I pray you'd help us to be even more and more faithful of a church. God, we don't want to be a, a group that, that follows what one person says or what one leader says or even what a group of leaders says. Father, we want to be a church that submits ourselves to your word. Father, we want to be a church that, that believes along the same lines as those who have come before us and those who will come after us. Father, we want to be a church who, um, who submits to your word together as a, as a group as we submit to one another even. And God, I pray that you'd help us to stay faithful to what your word says. And Father, as we trust, um, stay faithful to what our confession of faith summarizes your word as saying. Father, help us in that. Empower us by... Uh, your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.